Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Alec Baldwin. This past season on my podcast, Here's the Thing, I spoke with more actors, musicians, policymakers, and so many other fascinating people, like jazz bassist Christian McBride. Jazz is based on improvisation, but there's very much a form to it. You have a conversation based on that melody and those chord changes. So it's kind of like giving someone a topic and say, okay, talk about this. Listen to the new season of Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Humphrey, do you believe in ghosts? One can't not. It's like saying to a blind man, do you believe in color? It's another dimension. If you're a blind man and you have some friends who have seen color, you can't understand color because you've never seen it, but your damn foolish blind man say it doesn't exist. Do you have a, do you have a favorite ghost at the castle? No. Okay, cool. Hello and welcome to Bad Manners. This is the podcast that takes you inside Britain's stately homes and tells you all the tales the guidebooks don't. My name is Tom Horton and I'll be your host. As a comedian, I'm not really bothered about the facts and figures. I just want your blood. This week, we're bringing you a Halloween spooktacular full of ghastly ghouls, blood-sucking vampires and people falling off balconies. On our travels around the country so far, the Bad Manners crew has experienced its fair share of WTF moments. You're making that move though, right? Sorry. You're making that move, right? I'm not. Yes, you are. I'm not, I promise you. How many mountains did you say there were? Just two down there. There's three down there. There's not, there's two. I can sit and see three. There's two. What's the thing in the middle? What the fuck's that? <laughs> it's static from the, um, Christ. He's not gonna save you. Sure, most of these incidents can be explained away with logic and reason, but it's Halloween, and my producers are determined to get an episode out of it. So let's throw science out the window and indulge in some good old-fashioned storytelling. In this episode, we'll be bravely venturing into the Bad Manners vaults to bring you stories that didn't make it to the final edit, the ghost of stories yet to come, and some behind-the-scenes scares that will shock the pants off you. Or at least make you go, oh, that was cool. 
Plus, we'll be hearing from you, horrible lot, as we read out your submissions in a segment that's very cleverly titled Tales of the Unexpected. <laughs> Who wrote this? We're starting this episode with a medieval revenant. In a sneak peek of a future episode, Daniel from Annick Castle tells us a tale of the undead. I call this story The Smelly Vampire of Annick, which sounds like a wholesome children's book, but it's got some adultery in it. And this is a story written in a chronicle by a guy called William of Newborough, who kind of travelled around the medieval country, gathering up strange stories like this. And he came across the story of a man who served the Lord of Anak, who thought his wife was having an affair and was furious and determined to catch her in the act and climbed up to the rafters of their dwelling to spot when the other man would come in. And at one point he was so full of fury that he slipped from the rafters, fell onto the stones below, and died. Right. He's died angry, he's died full of fury, his blood has boiled, not literally at this point, and he hasn't crucially been given any of the sacraments, and he's buried without having received the last rites before he died. Terrible news, because this is an unholy death, which means he is now able to rise from his grave and start stalking around the town, an air of putrescence following behind him, mysterious dogs going crazy, foaming at the mouth. People start getting ill from this pestilence. People start dying. Animals start getting ill. And there's a dead man walking around town. Yeah, a lot of people tried to just get away from it if they could. They thought that if they could get away from him, they would get away from dying. Apart from two sons of a man who had been lost to this creature, who one Palm Sunday, a holy day, go to dig up his grave and they find it engorged with blood. And this is where William of Newborough, in his chronicle, writes a word in medieval Latin which translates as bloodsucker. His body is full of blood. More blood than he should have. So how has it retained all the blood? It must be walking around sucking other people's. Yeah. So he's a vampire. Uh, They built a pyre and they tore the black heart from the vampire's chest and burned it. They burned the heart first and then got rid of the rest of him. The, the two sons dispose of the body. They cut him into pieces. He stops rising from the grave. The illnesses stop. The people return. Everything's all right again. But it would appear that this was a legitimate vampire. Well, that's all the proof I need. A man suspects his wife of cheating, falls out of the ceiling... Guy's angry, two brothers dig him up, he's full of blood, definitely a vampire. But back in the 12th century, vampires weren't a thing yet. No one had even heard of Buffy, which is a shame because season two is excellent. So what did they call this creature? So back at that point, we wouldn't have called him a vampire. It would have been like an abomination of some kind. It might have been called a revenant. It wouldn't have been called undead, but it would have been called dead. But that use of the term bloodsucker is quite crucial in making him a little bit different to other kinds of weird supernatural occurrences. It makes him stand out, which is why we know him now to be a vampire. As we get up to Halloween, people start telling that story a bit more. You know, you might see a little article about haunted castles in the Northeast 
And some of our great castles like Bamborough, like Chillingham, like Dunstanborough will show up with their stories and the vampire of Anik will turn up amongst those as well. And of course we use that as an excuse to tell the story, to try and frighten people as we get close to Halloween as well. Well, mission accomplished, Daniel. I'm quaking in my crocs. And Daniel mentioned Chillingham Castle there, which is convenient because my producer, Chris, has a clip lined up from our Chillingham episode. Richard Craig is Chillingham's resident ghost hunter. Hello, my name is Richard Craig, and I am Chillingham's resident ghost hunter. See? Richard has been at Chillingham for some years now and he sees so many ghosts, he'll just casually drop it into conversation. Did I tell you I saw a full-bodied apparition in here uh, last year? That was a monk. A monk? Yeah. Before Richard took us on our ghost hunt in Chillingham, I was a full-blown sceptic. Sometimes I even found it hard to mask my lack of conviction. So how did I go from this... Quite often, a family member might inadvertently bring a spirit with them. Really? Yeah. To this? Is the spirit of John Sage here with us at all, please? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. The, bo- the music box has gone off. <laughs> Richard, I'm scared. Well, if you've heard the episode, you'll know it was a creep fest from start to finish. But what you didn't hear was a story that was so wild, so nauseating, so butt-clenchingly terrifying that our executive producer Faye described it as too long and not relevant. You've been warned. Picture this. It was the 29th of December, just gone. The castle was completely empty, everybody was away. Um, I've just done a, a, a ghost hunt with maybe 25 people on this ghost hunt. It's ten past one in the morning. A bit of a breezy old night outside. When you are walking around a place like this, making it secure, you're constantly looking over your shoulder, you really are, and there's always something that's going to rattle you a little bit. In this case, I went, oh... There's a noise coming from, a, a tapping noise. It was coming from the, the toilets. And I thought it was the um, the window in the gents flopping around in the, in the breeze. And I went in, the window was secure. And the tapping noise was coming off the mirror. Oh. Now, <laughs> when you put mirrors into the equation. There's something about a mirror, isn't it? Yeah. What, what is it about a mirror? Is well, there a reflection of... The soul or something. Yeah, well, the thing is, we use, I brought one tonight. You can have a go off. Black mirror. Black uh, mirror. Maybe. I'm not, Black mirror. I'm not rushing to, to do it. Yeah. Not, I'm not being honest. Uh, well, I'm going to be honest, Richard. You freak me out quite a lot. <laughs> you make me very scared. Um, and uh, if you hand me a mirror, I can't honestly guarantee that some ghoul isn't going to rip my face off and drag me through it or something. Oh, no, this is, you see spirit via one of these, right. via your own reflection. And sometimes it might appear over your, sh- over your shoulder, but more, more often than not, um, you'll be looking into this black mirror with a candle lighting one side of your face and just asking whatever spirit present to come and show itself. And then you, it's amazing when your whole, all your features begin to change in front of you. We've had people lose half their reflection, maybe the top half of the head or what have you. It's quite a sight to behold. 
Well, it's a sight I won't be beholding anytime soon, thank you very much. For a man on the wrong side of 35, mirrors are scary enough at the best of times. I'm not about to use one to peer into another realm. Richard had a knack for putting the willies up me that night. He freaked me out like this for about an hour before he even started the ghost hunt. Then he turned all the lights off and took me round Britain's most haunted castle. I mean, no wonder I was making noises like this. Bring me <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god there's a body there's a body <laughs> oh why have you turned all that <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this is like to listen to but this is petrifying to be in <laughs> oh my god oh god no, no, that was my phone sorry oh my god. <laughs> a terrifying montage I think you'll agree Unless, of course, they've edited me to make me sound like a scared idiot. I hope not. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, assuming what you've just heard was bone-chilling, you're going to need some comic relief. Here's Barclay Castle guide Jane Handel with the tale of the last court jester in England and his unfortunate encounter with a balcony. You would also have people like you, Tom. You would have comedians known as oh, really? jesters. Yes, oh, the and original would, comedians. Yes, and so there would be feasting down here, long tables, and you would have entertainers up there playing music, doing tricks. And Barclay is the site of a rather sad story oh, no. of the last court jester in England, so we're told, a little man called Dickie Pierce. <laughs> That's was a great name for a comedian, by the way. He sounds like he should be doing off-colour jokes on Blackpool Pier. But so Dickie, Dickie Pierce. This was in the 18th century, so right. quite late for what we think of as court jesters. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and he was entertaining Lord Barclay and his guests, uh, possibly fooling around up there. Um, Dickie Pierce was a little man. He was a dwarf. Right. Um, so about what? three and a half feet tall or something. Okay. Yeah. He was entertaining uh, the assembled guests down here and somehow he fell. Did he fall? Or was he pushed? Oh. His jokes may have been so bad that somebody gave him a bit of a shove. I don't know. Maybe yes. the screen was rotting and he leant on the edge and went over. But anyway, he fell from the gallery, hit his head on the floor below and died. Oh, wow. And he's buried in the churchyard next door. There's a big tabletop tomb, um, the Jester's Tomb, with an inscription, an epitaph written by Jonathan Swift, no lesser poet. Is he the guy who wrote... Gulliver's Travels. Gulliver's Travels, I was going to say, He yeah. was a cleric. He was an Irishman, a cleric. Um, and yes, amongst other things, he wrote Gulliver's Travels. He was a friend of the Barclay family too. So maybe they can, maybe he was here at dinner that night, I don't know. Or maybe they commissioned him to write this epitaph to poor... Poor Dickie, Dickie Pierce. Pierce. I mean, I've, I thought Southampton jonglers on a Friday to hen do's and stag parties was tough, but I've never <laughs> been pushed off the balcony. No, well, we don't know exactly how he died or why. Apparently one of his party tricks was, because he was little, yeah. to roll himself in a ball and then be rolled or kicked around by his, oh, like a, his well, like sort of aides. 
Yeah, maybe they were playing touch rugby up there and somebody <laughs> missed and he sailed over the, 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 um, the, the, the balustrade. Who knows? Anyway, poor Dickie Pierce died here, apparently, in the Great Hall. Um, much respect to you, Dickie. Thank you for flying the flag for so long. A tragic end for Dickie there. Mind you, it doesn't sound like he had a great life. The poor guy was being used as a football. He probably threw himself off the balcony. But, as Jane said, nobody knows for sure how he died. Either way, it was a story that educated, entertained, and most importantly, filled two minutes and 48 seconds. Time now to hear from you, the listener. Earlier this month, I asked you for your terrible tales, and you didn't disappoint. I sat down by the fire with my producers, Bex and Chris, to go through your tales of the unexpected. Tales of the unexpected. Okay, here we are. Uh, welcome, everyone. Um, we are not in a sound booth near Tottenham Court Road. We are, in fact, around a campfire. Cue sound effect, please. Excellent. And uh, we're eating marshmallows. Sound effect that. <laughs> yeah. Difficult. <laughs> I am here with producer Bex and producer Chris, and they're going to be reading out your ghost stories. Chris and Bex, how are you both? You all good? Do you enjoy the, the long walk through the woods to get here? <laughs> with the owls and the ravens and the big spiders? It's almost as terrifying as the walk around the woods with you at Chillingham <laughs> Castle. <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. Uh, we've got some ghost stories to tell. Who would like to tell their first ghost story? I've got one from Emma W. Oh, yeah, okay. In 2008... Ooh, hang on. No, you've oh. got, no, got to go in 2008. Oh, God. In t I can't keep that up because it's a big paragraph. <laughs> so it's more difficult than it looks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Go on then, no, right. In 2008... No. Oh. In 2008. <laughs> oh, We're meant to... It's a spooktacular episode, Chris. In 2008. Not like orgasm. It just sounds <laughs> creepy. Which I My guess producer wrote a porno. <laughs> right, okay. Um, okay. Where, okay, go, go. Yeah. Okay. In 2008, <laughs> I was stood in the dirty duck in Stratford next to an it's open... A, <laughs> a solid start. Next to an open fire, talking with friends and actors who had just performed Hamlet with David Tennant. Name drop. Yeah. <laughs> She's got it right in there. Nice. We were all chatting and I had an icy blast in my ear. Like a lollipop. <laughs> there was no one That's there. That's an ice blast. Sorry. An okay, ice right, blast, right, yeah. Okay. An icy blast in my ear. <laughs> right. There was no one there and the fire was still roaring. I thought nothing of it until I got home. Sober, I might add. Do you feel like she's saying she's sober because... Um... She's trying to caveat... I feel like she's told this out. story a lot of times and people have gone, that's because you drink too much, <laughs> Emma. <laughs> right, Definitely on. sober. It was a freezing night, so got up to get a blanket to go over the duvet. I got back into bed and something fell onto the floor from my bookcase. I decided not to deal with it till the morning, thinking I'd knocked something. Morning came and turns out it was a box from the back of the bookcase that couldn't have possibly been accidentally knocked as there were heavy items in front of it. A few more odd things happened, including my mum seeing someone walk out of my room in old-style clothes. 
<laughs> just like some Reebok classics from the eighties. <laughs> just a, a shell suit. A shell suit, yeah. Something out of a call on me video. <laughs> Spandex, really? After two weeks of weird stuff happening, the weird stuff isn't disclosed, just okay. weird stuff happening. I decided to go to the local spiritualist church to see if they could help. Sure. And it, we would advise anyone on the podcast, if you have a having paranormal troubles, go to your local spiritualist church. It turns out the ghost was that of an old actress that used to be on stage at the RSC, the Royal Shakespeare Company, who latched onto me. According to the medium, she latched onto me as I was passionate about theatre and was so enthusiastic talking. She didn't want to cross over, but eventually did after 10 minutes of the spiritualist arguing with her. Come on! I don't know Come over! Going. Get back in your box. Come over here. Come on. Count to five. Four, three. So this old Shakespearean actress has latched on to Emma's... Well, she had the icy blast in her ear, did she? So is, is that this, how the ghost gets in? So, is it, as, Yeah, there's, basically you've got like... Lady Macbeth has just crawled into your earlobe. Is that is that what we're saying? I guess. How does a... I mean, I don't know. I've never been latched. <laughs> but did she feel a unlatch? It's sort of like a colonic irrigation, but just for but just for <laughs> just for ghosts. You go and see a doctor. They do them around the back of the spiritualist church. Actually, <laughs> Tuesday afternoons you can go and have a spiritual colonic, and that's the holiest you'll ever feel. Hey. <laughs> Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got one from Laurie here that's about the Tower of London. Oh, nice. Very appropriately. Very nice. So in 2010, my husband and I were visiting from the US. We're in the Beecham Tower at the Tower of London. We're exploring the lower level, all of these sad carvings from prisoners' last days. As we walk up the stairs to the upper level, there's a monitor, presumably so that security can watch for vandalism. My husband sees a man sitting in the centre of the room, dressed in robes, almost like a monk. When we get upstairs, no one is there. <sighs> Scary. Hang um, on a minute. Wasn't the Beecham Tower the one that Megan talked about with that bloke that pushed people down the stairs? Yes, yes. the way where they had to have the exorcism. Yeah. And um, was he a monk? 
Um, I can't remember. What I think we're realizing here is none of us can remember any of, this, any of the <laughs> previous content of the, <laughs> of the podcast. Well, that was fun. That was a nice story. Thank you very much, Laurie, for your spooky story of a monk who uh, disappeared. Would you like a voice note? Yes, I'd love a voice note. I've got a voice note here from Jacob. So my ghostly encounter took place at a hospital in Hertfordshire. Um, I was an admin clerk. So I, my job was to deposit and retrieve patient notes. And most of the notes were stored in the oldest part of the hospital, which I think was built in the Victorian times. So I was in this corridor on a particular day on my own, filing away patient notes and happened to glance up and look at the end of the corridor. And I saw a woman walk across the the end of the corridor and quite literally disappear she was wearing some sort of gray garment her yeah her attire was gray-ish so she appeared and then disappeared just as quickly so i was a little bit stunned and then I said to myself you know jake you don't believe in this sort of thing don't be so stupid so carried on filing finished off um, filing those notes and went to see my colleague in another room because i had to file some notes there and it was just me and him and i said to him i've just seen something really strange uh in h block at the end of the corridor and it was just me and my colleague we were on our own there was no one else in there and he said oh um faye another colleague of ours has seen some weird things in that corridor why don't you go and speak to her so i said all right that's fine so i carried on filing went back to see my colleague Faye, and I just asked her, I said, Faye, look, have you seen anything strange in H-Block? <laughs> she said, yeah, there's uh, like a lady in grey that I've seen and a few other people have seen. And you know, to note, there's no way Faye would have overheard my conversation with Alex, the colleague I was speaking to previously, and then got back to the other side of the building and then, you know, sort of was waiting for me to start a conversation with her. And this was obviously something she'd seen. And it turns out that the grey lady, as she was named, was a bit of a problem. A lot of people had seen her. Um, she was even brought up in a manager's meeting because so many people were so scared of filing notes in that particular part of the building that people refused to file the notes. Uh, other strange things happening, um, patient notes flying out of the racking, uh, radios turning on by themselves and turning off again. The racking, the files flying out of the racking can be explained. Um, when you store so many files into the racking, and they, they become quite tightly packed and just because of friction and physics some just squeeze themselves out so that's easily explained but the woman that I saw or I think I saw can't really explain it um, but yeah that's my encounter can't really explain it you took wow. about five hours to do it <laughs> the, <laughs> best, the best thing about that one was you waiting for it to finish <laughs> That was the longest, most boring story I've ever <laughs> How many times do you want to say filing notes? <laughs> that was basic. The story is you were in a corridor, you saw a woman who was grey walk across it, and no one can explain it. <laughs> and that was the length of a Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that man.
I also like that she was brought up in a manager's meeting. Uh, <laughs> She's going to get a disciplinary for yeah. <laughs> And so I went and saw my other colleague, uh, Sarah, and I said, I've just been filing some notes <laughs> in the corridor. And I was spoken to Faye, who was also filing notes. And then he said, in the corridor, while I was filing the notes, there was a, a woman who was grey. She wasn't filing notes, but I was filing notes in the corridor. I said this to Faye, and um, <laughs> do you know about the woman who's been in the corridor filing notes? And she said, no. How many notes do you file? Oh, quite a lot of them. <laughs> Maybe we won't include that one. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> this story's from Laura. So the I volunteer as a historic property in York. The building itself dates back to the 1570s, and there have been something on that site since the Romans held York and we actually have part of the original Roman road directly into our cellar. The ghost story goes that in the 1950s a young electrician was doing some work in the cellar and suddenly he could hear marching and trumpets etc. He turned behind him to see what could only be described as 12 Roman soldiers marching in unison, their heads cutting off through the ceiling as it was quite a low ceiling. He ran upstairs and told his boss what he'd seen, and importantly, he was adamant their clothing had been a faint green colour. He always maintained that this was what he'd seen, and there were people who told him he was making it up because Roman soldiers always wore red outfits. Well, research from a few years ago would in fact show that the battalion base in York did wear green. Mm. So whenever or not they did actually see ghosts, either way, how would he have known that they were green before doing his research in the cellar? I will say, being in a cellar is incredibly spooky, so I'm inclined to believe him. So yeah, this guy has seen in York, and he's seen a bunch of Roman soldiers wearing green, and people go, that's impossible, they don't wear green. And then it turns out, based on later research, they in that part they did actually wear green. That's good detail. Yeah. Because you're not like just seeing something out in the corner of your eye there, are you? And it's like, did I see it or not? That's like... Also, people usually just see one figure. Yeah, it's like a tiny little Edwardian boy on the end of a bed. Yeah, but this is like a battalion. This is, yeah, this is like the cast of 300 all just... <laughs> it's like Jumanji. Oh, Stampede White? Yeah. Yeah. There was one sort of quite overweight, out-of-breath one at the end, <laughs> holding up the whole march, <laughs> which is a reference to the rhino yes, in the original films, it. which if you... <laughs> and the police officer freaking out in yeah, a car. With a... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story very good story we like it thank you Laura okay speaking of little boys on the end of your bed yeah. this one from Holly when I was 17 or 18 I was on holiday with my boyfriend at the time in a little B&B in Bournemouth I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a little boy at the end of the bed he looked like a stereotypical Victorian chimney sweep I shut my eyes tight then opened them but he was still there did it again opening them super wide think Woman putting on mascara in a mirror wide, mouth open and all. Still there. Pulled all kinds of crazy faces, trying to move my eyes in case it was a trick of the light. This little boy laughed, visually, not audibly, straight at me, then disappeared into the right of the bed into a wall. I am now 37 and can see this memory as clear as day. No one can tell me it was a trick or I was dreaming. I was 100% awake, had not been drinking and I truly believe what I saw. I feel like this is a romantic getaway and your young boyfriend has sort of 
trying to surprise you with sort of like a nightly outfit, like, ooh, she'll, she'll really get into this. And he's dressed up as an Edwardian boy. Victorian. And you, a Victorian, Victorian boy. And then you've woken up and just started pulling mental faces at him. <laughs> so he's trying not to laugh. And then he's gone, do you know what? I don't think I want to keep seeing this woman anymore and run away. <laughs> That's my guess. That's freaky though it's like, freaky and especially the laugh like mm. eye contact and a laugh that's yeah you don't want would, them to look at you no that would freak me out that's what freaked me out in Chillingham when Richard was like looking at you <laughs> no <laughs> Richard was when he was asking them to touch me he was like make yourself known just touch backs on the shoulder and I was like don't touch I don't want to be touched on the yeah, shoulder yeah that's quite enabling isn't it I agree Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got a story, a ghostly story, that involves shipwreck from Mark Mm. in Australia. Brilliant. We haven't had one of them yet. Okay, here you go. So this is my granddad's story from World War II. It happened on December the 20th, 1942, um, on board the ship Strathallan on its way to Algeria. So my granddad, Geordie, was a, was a young soldier from Newcastle, and uh, this night it was his turn to be on watch. He was in the uh, Durham Light Infantry, and a few decks beneath him, a group of other soldiers were uh, playing a game of cards with the uh, clinking of their chips, mixing with uh, the ocean's lullaby, Geordie soon uh, starts to feel tired. And as his eyelids got heavier, a familiar voice calls out his name. Geordie. Geordie wakes up from his nap a little bit startled and thinking it's one of his mates, Geordie goes below and tries to find out what's going on. Who called me? Well, it wasn't us, Geordie. We've been playing. So slightly annoyed, my granddad uh, goes back up to his post thinking well, maybe it was a trick of the wind so as the night deepened soon uh, Geordie's thoughts are drifting back to memories of his old Irish grandma uh, figuring her black shawl with her long white hair in her old rocking chair when suddenly he hears his voice being called again Geordie <sighs> enough's enough so convinced the lads below are playing a prank he storms down I told you not to mess around who's calling me Geordie, it wasn't us, honest. So Geordie is patience thinning, warns them, and then goes back up to his post. So hours 
seem like minutes and once more Geordie's uh, eyes grow heavy and this time his dream's fairly vivid flames are roaring engulfing his grandmother who cries out desperately Geordie right that's it so he rushes down below to confront the soldiers and then a thunderous explosion echoes through the night the Straff Allen had been attacked by a German U-boat and time had seemed to stop at 2.31 hours and although 16 souls were lost that fateful night Geordie wasn't amongst them and he always believed it was his grandmother's spectral voice that saved him Wow. Wow. Well, that's quite a story. Like, some of it was, like, just really very factual, and then suddenly there'd be, like, prose. It turned into a thespian. It didn't it? It turned into, like, really descriptive. And, and then uh, Geordie went downstairs. It was 1952. The creaks of the ship sounding like hollowed out words in an old tune he used to say. Like, very good. Well, 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 told. well crafted. He's told that a few times, hasn't he? Yeah. Nice. Like, nice. It's nice though. Yeah. Being visited from has a positive ending that one. Yeah. It's a, it's actually quite nice to have a, a ghost story where the ghost is doing a nice thing. Yeah. Rather than just scaring you. They're there for a reason. Yeah. It's a good grandma story. Actually, my friend's ghost story, she had somebody helping her as well. Hi, I'm Kate, and this is my ghost story. When I was a lot younger, still living in our family home. I went to bed one evening as normal and fell asleep. In the night, I was woken by tapping on my window. I was a bit confused because my bedroom is on the first floor. So I got up and as I walked towards the window, a face appeared. It was a young girl dressed in white and crying. And I was so concerned, not scared, but concerned that I walked towards the girl. And as I did, she slowly disappeared. And I saw that the entire bottom of our garden was on fire. You see, earlier that day, my dad had been having a bonfire. He thought he had put it out completely, but obviously there was still a spark. I ran to my mum and dad's room, woke them. They ran outside, got the fire under control, but there was no sign of anyone in our garden. And I will never, for the rest of my life, forget that little girl's face. That's freaky, isn't it? Yeah, it's freaky. Who do they suspect the little girl might have been? I don't know. I don't know if she's ever found out. That's also a bit of a double whammy because you'd be scared because you just encountered a, a, girl, a girly ghost. Yeah. Oh, and then hang on a minute, my, garden's, minute, my garden's on fire. On yeah. Then she had to wake up the whole family. And yeah. You could say that maybe she heard the crackling of the flames and not a tapping at the window and the smoke looked in the shape of a little girl. That's what a sceptic would say. Yeah. That's very well, they've cynical still, they've, of they've you, still, they've still, they've still got um, Guy Fawkes figure. Because don't you stick them on bonfires? Mm. Yeah. So that might maybe just melted down a bit so it looked like a little girl. What, and then jumped up to the four, first floor oh, and I... tapped on the window? Oh. That's true, yeah. It's definitely Sorry, a ghost. It's definitely, it's definitely a, ghost. a ghost. 100% it's definitely haunted. A ghost. I think what we've learned is if, you, if there's something you at least can't explain a little bit, 
it's 100% a ghost. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So as a rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. <laughs> okay, I've got one here from Emma. Yep. My friend took me for a pre-birthday trip to Stonehenge, followed by Salisbury Cathedral. So at Salisbury Cathedral, I wanted to experience and take photos in the crypt below. And no sooner we were inside, my friend's iPod player started playing this, this song on random. The only way is up. Needless, needless to say, she was pretty creeped out and said it was a sign to go upstairs and out of the crypt. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That of all the songs to come on. It's like... Um, Bumblebee and Transformers, where the ghost that you can only yeah. talk through the radio. Yeah. You just suddenly we're in the crypt, and then suddenly James Brown, get on up. <laughs> like, oh well, that's clearly a clearly a ghost. Does anyone even have an iPod anymore? I've still got an iPod in the car, like connected <laughs> to the car, and it is my old iPod from uni. So it, if you stick it on, which I don't really, but it plays a lot of old stuff that I was listening to at yeah. uni so it can be a bit embarrassing the only way is how <laughs> 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 did you know <laughs> so I have one from my friend Andrew who is the great grandson of Sir Humphrey who owns Chillingham Castle oh yeah Ooh. so this is a, and he lived in Annick a lot I, I, I don't know what he's about to say though this is Andrew's ghost story Okay, so uh, the house we lived in in Annick, um, it's about 250 years old. Uh, when we bought it, it was totally derelict and we did it up and it was a beautiful house. We loved living there, but we definitely always thought that it might be haunted, you know, just weird things happening, things turning off and on every now and then and definitely a feeling you got sometimes when you were there alone. Um, we had a guest staying in our bed and breakfast um, and she came down in the morning and spoke to my mum and said uh, oh is your do you think your house is haunted and mum said you know we we've always thought it might be and she said well i'm a i'm a very spiritual person and last night i woke up and i was floating above the bed <laughs> i love the um um the casually do you think the house is haunted oh uh well maybe why i was floating above the bed when i woke up <laughs> oh well that is um sure yeah. uh, do you want brown or white Bread for, uh, for, your, for, your, for your breakfast. <laughs> that's, that's quite scary. That is scary. Yeah. That's quite a telltale sign, isn't it? You can't really confuse hovering above the bed either, can you? Like that's definitely like you just do like that's happening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you could actually just on the terms and conditions go. I'm actually not paying full bed and board because I, te I technically didn't get the bed. <laughs> yeah. I sleep in a bed. I was actually I, I was sleeping like air. two feet above it. So actually, I think I, I want a refund, please. <laughs> Do you know when I was the most scared at Chillingham was after he told that mirror story about someone tapping on the mirror in the toilets. We then took a record break before we went on the ghost hunt and I had to then go to the toilets, the ones he'd been talking about, by myself because I was the only girl on tour and I was shitting myself. Like, just could not look in the mirror because I was just like, I'm definitely going to see something if I do. I was... So terrified. <laughs> Do you know when I was the most terrified at Chillingham? When the Uber cancelled for the second time? <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, we're going to have to stay here. Yeah, we're not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> that is scary. Would you like one more before we finish? 
Yes, let's it's do it. A very quick one that came into the Bad Manners WhatsApp. Do you just want to read that one out there? Hello, Bad Manners. Here's my spooky ghost story. I wanted a poo that looked like Jesus. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Thank you very much for coming to our spooktacular. Tales of the Unexpected. Well, that was fun. Thank you to everyone who sent in their stories. Thank you for listening to the Bad Manners Halloween Spooktacular. Stay safe out there and remember, if you don't receive your last rites before you die, you're going to turn into a vampire. If you joke around on a balcony, you're going to fall off. And if you send us a voice note, for God's sake, keep it concise. I'm looking at you, Jacob. Until next time, mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite Bad Manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomize Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton. It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport, and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore, and our production coordinator is Bella Salini. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.